0: وَلَمَّا جَاءَ عِيسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ قَالَ قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِالْحِكْمَةِ وَلِأُبَيِّنَ لَكُمْ وَلِأُبَيِّنَ لَكُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي تَخْتَلِفُونَ فِيهِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ We begin with the praise of Allah and by asking Allah to exalt the mention and grant peace to our messenger Muhammad wasallam and to his family and his companions. I think the position of the table is a little bit better today. I feel like I can see you all today. I think last week I was sitting right back and the pillars and the camera and I felt like I was by myself. By the grace of Allah Azza wa Jal Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us to be able to come together for another evening of tafsir of the Quran. And we are in the middle of, or we just started. The Tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha. And we said that Surah Al-Fatiha is the greatest surah in the Qur'an. What's the greatest ayah in the Qur'an? Who knows? Ayatul Al-Kursi. The greatest surah in the Qur'an is Surah Al-Fatiha. And we said that it's like a summary of the whole Qur'an. It's like a summary of everything that the Quran contains almost like an introduction to the Quran and we finished bismillahir rahmanir rahim as much as time allows so inshallah ta'ala we're going to resume our class today with the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin So the first thing we're going to look at here is the word Alhamd and we all know this word, right? We say it's not a strange word for us. We say it a lot, right? Alhamdulillah What does the Al mean here? In Alhamd, so Al has lots of meanings in Arabic. A lot of people, if you ask someone who speaks Arabic and you say to them, what does Al mean? They will say it means the, right? al-kitab, al-bayt but not always here the al in al-hamd it doesn't mean the it's something that we call in Arabic istigraqul jins which means it covers everything in that category that's what it means everything in the category of hamd it means everything that falls within Hamd. And sometimes that's why if you read the English translation of the Quran, where it says Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, it says all praise. Someone says, where is the word all? The word all in Arabic is Kullu or Jami'u. Where is the word all? We say, ah, here it's a little bit subtle. It's in the Al. The Al here means every kind of every kind of or every type of hamd now we know generally I think everybody here knows that hamd means praise but here we have two terms that are similar to each other and we might we need to explain the difference between them and that is alhamdu wa shukr so what is Hamd and what is Shukr and what makes one of them or how do we, how do we distinguish between the two? We translate Hamd as praise and Shukr as gratitude. So the scholars say about Alhamdu wa Shukr, Umumun wa Khusus. That means that one of them is more general in one aspect and one of them is more general in a a different way. So in one way, Hamd is more general. And in one way, Shukr is more general. How is Hamd more general? And how is Shukr more general? What way? So Hamd is more general because you, you say Hamd to Allah or for Allah in every situation. Alhamdulillahi ala kullihal. Praise be to Allah in every situation. As for shukr, gratitude, when do you say shukr? When you're given something, right? You say shukr when you have been given something. You say hamd all the time. You say shukr when you've been given something. So shukr is in response to a ni'mah, a blessing from Allah. That Allah gave you a ni'mah from Allah, then you have shukr. Whereas alhamd is ala kulli hal, you praise Allah in every situation. But how is shukr more general? I think for this, if we look at the ayah in which Allah said, ala shukra, act, O family of dawood, in gratitude. So, what do we see about shukr? Shukr is with the tongue and the limbs and the heart. Shukr is a full body experience. Your whole body makes shukr to Allah shows gratitude to Allah, so Allah gives you health, you use your health to please Allah, you pray, you fast, you go help people, you go and you know you use your health physically to, to show thanks to Allah, so gratitude can be with any part of the body, whereas hamd is with the tongue. Alhamdu, Praise is with the tongue so in that way hamd is more general in the sense that it's all the time and shukr is more general in the sense that it can be done with any part of the body but shukr is only done in response to a blessing whereas alhamd You don't look at whether you've been given a blessing or not. It's not about whether you have a blessing or you don't. Alhamd is something that is a constant thing which belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi belongs to Allah. This here, Lillahi, means to belong. It belongs to Him. It's His right. He's the one who deserves it. It might be that others are praised, but the true praise is deserving for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the question comes here, why? Now, I I think as Muslims, it's not as important, but especially if you were explaining to a non-Muslim and they asked you, why? Why is all praise due to Allah? Why? Allah Azza answers this question. Because Allah is Rabbul Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawm is why Alhamdulillah So in other words, Alhamd belongs to Allah because of his names and his attributes and his actions because of his names and his attributes and his actions praise is only for Allah because of his names and his attributes and his actions and so this is explained in al fatiha and it's explained throughout the quran if you look at any time that alhamdulillah comes in the quran you're going to find that it's preceded or followed by something that Allah is in his names or his attributes or his actions <inaudible> all praises to Allah who guided us to this we praise Allah because of his names and his attributes and his actions among which are His name, Allah, and this name or description of him, Rabbul Alameen, and his name, Ar-Rahman and ar rahim and his name, Al-Malik, and the fact that he is Maliki Yawmiddin or Maliki Yawmiddin. These are all reasons to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this also tells us that from the etiquettes of dua is that when you begin your dua, because remember Surah Al-Fatiha is just one big dua. When you begin your dua, you begin it with Alhamdu you praise Allah, you glorify him by mentioning his names and his attributes and his actions. And then you lead it into your question. This is more likely for your dua to be accepted than for you to just simply say, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاتِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ That you introduce your request with the praise of Allah through His names and His attributes and His actions. So what are the names and attributes that are mentioned in this first part? The first we have to do or we have to stop with is Allah اللّٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰٰ� Allah, this word, the great scholar of Arabic, Sibuy, he said, it is A'raful Ma'arif. It is the most clearly defined word in the Arabic language or in any language. And I'm gonna explain to you what I mean by that. When I say that to you now, if I were to use the word God, And I were to go to a Hindu here in Dubai and say to him, who is God? So he might mention to me the names of some different gods that he has, and he might mention this one or that one, or he might mention some of his idols or statues, or he might mention the greatest of his, the idols that they worship, or he might mention three of them, or he might. Okay, so I go to a Christian and I say to the Christian, who is God? The Christian might say the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I go to the Muslim and I say, who is God? And he says, Allah, the one that there is no God worthy of worship except him. But everybody understood the word God in a different way. You might talk to one of these feminists and you might ask them, who is God? They might say, God is a woman. Everybody has for God. It's not clearly defined what we're talking about. It could be right, it could be wrong. As a Muslim talking about God, what I'm going to say about God is going to be right, inshaAllah. But it's not clearly defined. It's not clear what I mean until you explain it. When I say Allah, does anyone get any confusion? Not even the Christian, not even the Hindu, not even the atheist or the Buddhist or the Sikh or the Whatever newfangled ideas they have, none of them get confused. When I say Allah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. And that's what Siboy said when he said A'raful Ma'arif. It is the most clearly understood word, and it is the only name of Allah which has never ever been taken by others. Even the Dajjal, when he comes, he will say, I am your Lord, Ana Rabbuk. But he won't say, "An Allah, I am Allah. Fir'aun, when it's narrated in the Quran, he said, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la. I am your Lord, the Most High. But the name Allah, everybody knows that Allah, that is the Lord of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the heavens and the earth, everybody knows. The other thing which makes the name of Allah different is that all of the other names are referred to by that name. So I don't say Allah is a name of Ar-Rahman. What do I say? Ar-Rahman is a name of Allah. So Allah is like the the base, the, the, the source, you know, like the name that everything goes back to. And all of the other names are names of Allah. As for the meaning of Allah, it is, it is, the one who is deserving of worship, or the one who has the attributes of divinity.. That is the meaning of, because the word Allah linguistically comes from al-ilah and so this word Allah it means the one who possesses the attributes of divinity in that sense all of the names of Allah come under Allah, Allah is like a an umbrella name that covers all of the other names. So if you look at it, Ar-Rahman is an attribute of divinity. So it comes under Allah, an attribute of being God. Ar-Rahim, Rahma, like this, is a name that indicates that the person who has this name is God, is divine. So all of these names come back to Allah, And that is why many of the scholars said that Allah is Allah's greatest name. Others among the scholars said the greatest name of Allah is Al-Hayyul Qayyum. And others said it's not one name, but a category of names. But I personally believe the stronger opinion, if you gather together all of the hadith, is that the greatest name of Allah is Allah. Because all of the other names of Allah go back to it. So Allah Azzawajal is Dhul Uluhiyyah, the one who possesses the names and attributes of God, of divinity. And Allah Azzawajal is ar Rabb. ar Rabb. So if Allah means the, the possessor of the attributes of divinity, the one who has the names and attributes of God, then Arab means the the one who has the attributes of Lordship, the one who has the attributes of Lordship, the one who is the Lord. And in Arabic, the word Lord, is used or Rabb is used for As-Sayyid Al-Malik Al-Muta' and if you want more information by the way on these names you can come to my Names of Allah series on, on YouTube and you can inshallah ta'ala uh, get even more details about each name but just briefly a the Arabs used the word Rabb for the master the sovereign and the one who is obeyed that's in the language, in, linguistically. They, they would say the, the, the Rabb is the one who is Sayyid al-Malik al mutah The one who is the master, the one who is the sovereign, the king of everything, and the one who is to be obeyed. But the word Rabb in that sense could be applied to lots of things, right? If you don't make it like absolute, you could say, Rabbul Usra, the Lord of the family. So in his family, he's the head of the family. He's the master in his family. he is the king, the owner. You know, he's the one who got all the, he's the one who's got all the money. He's the one who owns the house in his family. He's the one everyone listens to. So here we want to make it clear that Allah جل, is nothing like his creation. So one of the things this indicates this to us is, is that Allah is Rabbul Alamin. So who is Allah? The Rabb of Allah is the Rabb of a house, or is Allah the Rabb of a family, or is Allah the Rabb of a country or a place on the earth? لا. Allah is the Rabb of the Alamin, and the Alamin is the plural of Alam, and the Alam is a world. So Allah is not the Lord of the world. He's the Lord of the worlds with an S on the end. So, what are the worlds? Well, actually, if you think about it, there are many worlds. There is the world of men. Alam al-Ins. There's the world of the jinn. Alamul Jinn. There's the world of the angels. There's the world of the animal kingdom. Alam al-Dawab. And how many other worlds that only Allah Jalla knows? Allah Azzawajal is the Rabb of all of them. And the word Rabb covers, like we said the word Allah covers all of Allah's names. The word Rabb covers a portion. If we give examples, it will become clear. So if we say that from the meanings of a Rabb is Al-Khaliq, the creator. And from the meanings of a Rabb, is the one who gives to his servants or bestows to his servants, al wahhab and from the meanings of al rabb is Al-Qadir, the one who is able to do everything and controls everything these are all, so it's all related to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is it could be how he is to us or how he is in himself, but it's all related to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all of Allah's Lordship, the the attributes and characteristics of Lordship. So it relates to how Allah is with himself and his actions. As for when we talk about worshiping Allah, that's how we behave towards Allah. That's how we behave towards Allah. And that's coming later on in the Surah. So Allah told us that he is Rabbul Alameen. And if we look at Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen we see that this ayah gathers together the three types of Tawheed Tawheed al-Rububiyyah and Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah and Tawheed al al sifat in one ayah As for Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah it's found in Alhamdulillah because Alhamd is something that we do to Allah Alhamdulillah This relates to us worshipping Allah And that's one part of a Muslim's Tawheed your, the, How you believe in the oneness of Allah One part of that is That you worship Allah alone You, you, in your du'a In your worship is only for Allah And that's found in Alhamdulillah As for Rububiya, Which is what Allah does for you Then this is found in Rabbul Alameen and as for the asma wa Sifat then there are two names found in this ayah and that is Ar-Rab and Allah both of them are found and some of the scholars added Rabbul Alameen as a name of Allah this is a a difference of opinion among the scholars as to whether the names that are like sentences are names or not so some of the scholars said Rabbul Alameen is in itself a name and those are the names that are joined together like in a sentence form. Uh, like Rabbul Alameen and Arhamul Rahimeen and Khairul Ghafireen. Some of the scholars consider these to be names of Allah as well. So it contains worshipping Allah alone, Alhamdu Lillahi, praises to Allah alone, and it contains that Allah is the Lord, the one who does everything for you, gives you everything, takes care of you, creates you, looks after you, and it contains Allah's names and attributes. Allah Rabbul Alameen. So this is like a title for the Quran. And anyone, how strange is it that somebody says you can't find three types of Tawheed in the Quran? Or they say that three types of Tawheed is something you guys invented you know, 200 years ago or 300 years ago. We said to them, Ya Akhi, you didn't read the first ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha. Before we get to Surah Maryam, Ayah 65 and you know, you didn't get to ayah number one out of Surah number one. And if you had read ayah number one out of Surah number one, you would understand that the oneness of Allah is oneness in worshiping him and oneness in his lordship and oneness in his names and attributes. And this is very clear from just the first sentence, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil alameen. And there's no surprise that this is the first ayah in the Quran and the most, therefore, the most important thing to gain your attention. That when you talk about believing that Allah is one, that means that Allah is one in your worship of him, in his names and attributes and in his lordship and the things that he does for you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. One of the meanings of al-rabb is al-murabbi, the one who nurtures you. The one who nurtures you and takes care of you. And al-imam al-sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir, he mentions this. That this is what perhaps the secret as to why the prophets used to frequently make dua to Allah Rabbana, Rabbana, you know you get that book 40, 40 Rabbanas in the Quran, Rabbana, Rabbana, Rabbana why did the prophets keep on saying Rabbana, Rabbana the scholars they say it is or Imam Saadi here he suggests that it's because of This meaning of al murabbi, The one who takes care and nurtures you And looks after you And you know what nurturing is Like how you take a baby And you look after the baby You feed the baby And the baby gets You know fed and clothed And looked after Until it becomes a bit bigger And a bit bigger And then becomes an adult That kind of nurturing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nurtures you And Allah nurtures the Alameen In one of two ways A general way and a special way. So Allah nurtures the alamin in terms of generally, in terms of their, their life, you know, g- letting them grow in age, uh, giving them their sustenance, uh, teaching them what harms them and what benefits them in terms of, you know, what is suitable to eat and what is harmful to eat and how to live and how to earn a living and. Allah gives them a general nurturing. He, he, he causes them to grow or causes them to be able to live their life. But that's not the tarbiyah that we are concerned with here. That tarbiyah is a part of Allah's rububiyah. That the whole of creation is only here because Allah nurtured it. And if Allah didn't nurture you, you wouldn't be here. Not you, not the animals, not the jinn or the angels or the heavens or the earth or the stars or the grass. Nothing would be here unless Allah nurtured it and looked after it and took care of it. But that's in a general way. It doesn't distinguish between the believer, the disbeliever, the inanimate object like a stone or a living being like a person. It doesn't make any difference between the animal and a person, Allah gives it to everybody. But there is a special kind of tarbiyah and that is the tarbiyah of iman that Allah Azza wa Jal causes a seed of iman to grow in your heart until that seed of iman becomes like a tree of iman it becomes like a tree of iman مَثَلًا كَلِمَةً طَيِّبَةً كَشَجَرَةٍ طيبة. أَصْلُهَا ثَابِتٌ فِي السَّمَاءِ Allah gave the example of a good word and the good word is La ilaha illallah It's the seed of Iman the start of Iman A good word like a good tree Its roots are firmly grounded strong in the ground and its branches are up in the sky That's the example of how Allah nurtures your Iman It starts off with a word La ilaha illallah And Allah makes it grow into loving, praying and fasting and zakah and charity and being good to your parents and looking after the weak and the needy. And Allah brings about all of these branches and all of these leaves on this tree, which came out from La ilaha illallah. When you think of that, that is the reason why the Prophets called upon Allah Rabbana. Because Allah gave them a nurturing that was even more special then what Allah has given to the other Muslims. And that is Allah looked after them in bringing them into prophethood and giving them the guidance and the scripture and revelation. So Allah took care of them and nurtured them. Look at the Prophet How did he grow from the time when Jibreel grabbed a hold of him and squeezed him and said, Iqara. And he said, Ma ana Until the very end of his life. SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam How did he grow as a prophet in knowledge in his you know his connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in, in what he conveyed from Allah it started with Iqra and Allah Azza wa made it grow into this entire religion of Islam it started with Iqra and it became 604 pages of the Mus'haf look at how Allah Azza wa Jal nurtured the Prophet sallallahu After you think about that, how could he not call upon Allah Rabbana, the one who nurtured me, my nurturer, my Lord. So that is something when you think about it, it instills a particular emotion in you. And that is the emotion of love. You feel immense love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you read Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And Alhamd, remember, is in every situation, so it's also reminding you that your love of Allah is constant. It's always, you know. It doesn't matter what I'm given or not given. I love Allah for His names and His attributes and His actions, all the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and does and is described with and all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given and the tarbiyah and the iman that Allah has given as a gift. When you think about the gift of iman and how Allah made it, think about your life. How many of you can say that you were practicing Islam from the very first day of your life? Some of you, alhamdulillah, but many of us can remember a time. I remember a time when I was not a Muslim. And then you think how Allah azza took me and I didn't do anything to deserve it. Allah Azza took me from not being a Muslim at all to Islam. And then when I was a Muslim, I wasn't really under, didn't understand Islam properly and wasn't practicing. And then to start practicing Islam. And then Allah Azza took me to start learning Islam. And then Allah Azza blessed me to be able to sit in the masjid and share some of that learning with people. Wallah, you, if that doesn't make you love Allah, what will make you love Allah? When you think what Allah Jalla has done for you, how many of you, for example, if you think about the beginning of your life, you're thinking about poverty, about hardship, about struggles, and Alhamdulillah, now you're in a better position where you have, you're have, comfortable in your, in your dunya. Look at how Allah nurtured you. Did any of that come from your own hands? Well, I say, nothing. It came from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that Allah took you, and looked after you, and nurtured you, and you disobeyed him. When when he looked after you, you disobeyed him. When he gave you, you were ungrateful. And still he gave you again, and again, and again. You fell short in your duties, and still he guided you. Still he forgave you. What will make you love Allah if it's not that? Every time you disobey him, he keeps on forgiving you every time you fall short, he keeps on guiding you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is his tarbiyah. This is how Allah nurtures your heart until by his permission, he causes it to die upon la ilaha illallah and then he takes it and he brings it to Jannah. If that doesn't make you love Allah, then what will make you love Allah? So this ayah is all about loving Allah Jalla Fi and about feeling love for Allah and you love Allah because of who Allah is and what Allah does and what Allah is described with. You love Allah because he is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Malik, Al-Quddus, As-Salam because of his attributes and his actions. That's why you love Allah Azza wa That's what makes you love Allah Azza wa And that's why this first part of Surah Al-Fatiha, we praise Allah because of his names, his attributes, and his actions. And we remember how Allah nurtures us and looks after us and takes care of us. And we therefore love or increase in our love of Allah for that. And when you love Allah, what happens? Allah loves you. Allah loves you. When you love Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Azza wa Jal loves you. You get a reward which is the same type of thing As the action that you did You love Allah and Allah will love you And when Allah loves you He calls to Jibreel And he says I love so and so So you should love him And then Jibreel loves him And then Jibreel calls out to the angels in the heavens That Allah loves this person So you should love him too So all the angels in the heavens love him then Allah puts for him Al-Qabool fil ard Allah puts for him acceptance on the earth so that people accept and welcome and you know they they're accepting of him and of what he has to say or of her and of what he ha- she has to say and so on and Allah loves every Muslim but he doesn't love them the same Allah loves every Muslim but he doesn't love them the same so, just as your iman differs from person to person, likewise, how much Allah Jalla loves you differs according to your righteousness and your sincerity and your following of the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim. This is a continuation. The ayah is continuing. We know it's continuing because of the The kasrah, the... the the, the the vowel marking, the i, ar-Rahmani, ar-Rahim, because it started Alhamdu Lillahi Rabbi Al Alameen Ar-Rahmani Ar-Rahim. So it's it's a continuation. It's like you could put bullet points. Alhamdu, all praise is for Allah, one bullet point, Lord of the worlds, next bullet point, ar rahman next bullet point, Ar-Rahim, next bullet point. Maliki The praise is for Allah Who is Rabbul Alameen ar rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki al Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim Both come from the word Rahmah So both Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim Indicate that Allah is Dhur-Rahmah And we know this because Allah said it in the Quran Wa dhur Allah is the possessor of mercy But we know something And I'm going to teach you a little principle Which I'm sure you knew anyway Nothing in the Quran repeats itself for no reason There is no, you know, part of eloquence Is that you only say what needs to be said You know, sometimes I waffle on in my my classes I know, it's okay May Allah make it easy for you But sometimes I waffle a bit Waffling is a sign of a lack of eloquence right? When you just say things in the fewest number of words possible, that's a sign of of eloquence. So one of the features of the Quran is that everything is said in as few words as possible, with the biggest meanings and the most powerful meanings. So why did Allah say then Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, if they both come from Ar-Rahman, why not suffice with one of them? Why not say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Maliki Yomid. al Why Ar-Rahman ar There's a difference between the two. Both of them refer to Allah's Rahmah in different ways. So Ar-Rahman refers to Allah's Rahmah as an attribute of Him. In other words, let me give you an English translation, the most merciful. That Allah is the one that has unlimited mercy That's the meaning of Ar-Rahman So if that's the meaning of Ar-Rahman You can't give that name to anyone, any human being, right? Even You can't even say Rahman like that Even without Al Because Rahman is the owner of unlimited mercy Infinite mercy That covers everything رَبَّنَا وَسِعْتَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ رَحْمَةً ilma Our Lord, you encompassed everything with your mercy and your knowledge. So here, the Rahma that is mentioned in Ar-Rahman is the fact that Allah has unlimited, infinite mercy. The key bit is Allah has it's the word has here that's the key in ar-rahman that you're describing allah as having that infinite mercy as for ar-rahim for those who know arabic it's ala wazni fa'il it's on the pattern fa'il rahim and so it means the action of doing that's what fa'il generally in arabic is the action of doing so here it's not about Allah having mercy It's about Allah giving or bestowing mercy And this is the correct or the stronger opinion with regard to Ar-Rahman and Ar-Raheem Some of the scholars among them is Shaykh Ibn Ta'ala, they took it a different way they said Ar-Rahman is general mercy and ar rahim is special mercy But we think the first opinion is more correct because in some ayat, Allah mentions that he is Rahim to all of mankind. So it kind of takes away the special a I- little bit. But it makes more sense to say that Rahim, on the pattern Fail, is about Allah bestowing that mercy. It's not just his, that he j- it just, it's his, that's it. It's His and He bestows it to whoever He wants. Does He bestow it equally to everybody? all of us get exactly 100 billionth of a share of Allah's mercy No Allah gives it to whoever he wants in whatever quantity that he wants and that is the meaning of ar rahim the bestower of mercy the one who gives out his mercy and that is more correct than saying The entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Because there are some ayat in the Qur'an that don't match that. It doesn't match up with all the ayat in the Qur'an. What matches up with all the ayat in the Qur'an is to say that Ar-Rahman is the possessor of mercy and Ar-Rahim is the bestower, the one who gives it, the one who sends it out to whoever he wants. When you think about the rahmah of Allah what's the emotion there what how do you feel emotionally you feel hope you feel immensely hopeful that Allah is going to have mercy on you Allah is going to forgive you Allah is going to give you jannah Allah is not going to punish you how can Allah azza wa jalla punish when he is ar-rahman ar-rahim and that gives you hope but too much hope can lead to laziness and too much hope or having love and hope together without fear is exactly what the Christians fell into today and that is why have you noticed that the Christians basically don't have any deen left there's no deen there's no laws there's no haram When you ask them what's haram, they have to really think like, well, murder. Okay, what else? Uh, I suppose theft, if it's really, it's bad. They don't have anything left that's haram because they don't have any fear. In their deen, their deen is just love and hope. If you love God, God will save you. doesn't matter what you did. Human beings don't work like that. And that is why, as a Muslim, you have to be balanced between fear and hope. And that is where the third ayah comes in: Maliki Yaumid. This it brings you back down again. You are flying up in the sky in hope. Allah will never punish me. Nothing bad is gonna happen to me. Maliki Yaumiddeen. And then you remember yawmuddin the day of recompense. A deen, the day when everyone will get what they deserve. And that makes you scared of Allah. There are two ways of reading this ayah. There are two qiraat. You can read it, Maliki din, and that's the reading that we read in Hafs, that Hafs and Asim, that's the one that we read most of us. In some of the other qiraat, you might have heard the imams reading Maliki al-Din If I'm not mistaken, Maliki is the majority of the Qur'at they read. Maliki al-Din The difference is that Malik talks about ownership and Malik talks about sovereignty, being like a king. The two are very close together. This is a beautiful thing about the Qiraat. I'm not going to take too much longer. This is a beautiful thing, inshallah. This is a beautiful thing about the Qiraat. Look at how two words that are different, they're not the same word. Malik and Malik are not the same word. They're not exactly the same meaning, but they complement each other. And that's why if you never give any time to think about the Qiraat, the different styles of reading, you're going to miss out on some of the meanings of the Quran. So Malik is all about possession. The owner, the possessor all of the mulk on that day لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ who is the dominion who does everything belong to on that day to Allah the one that cannot be resisted the one who is alone and cannot be resisted that's fearful there's no one else gonna save you on that day if Allah Azzawajal doesn't forgive you, there is nobody, there is no angel, there is no prophet, there is no one coming to save you. If Allah Azzawajal doesn't forgive you, because Allah is Maliki Yawm din nobody else owns the day of resurrection, nobody has control of it, no one except Allah. Not an angel, not a prophet, not anyone else. That doesn't mean there isn't shafaah intercession, but intercession will be given to those who Allah approves of. It will not be given to the people who the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam chose. It will be given to people that Allah chooses for him. He will ask and Allah will accept, but he will only ask on behalf of those that Allah approves of. So you don't have any, re- any sort of refuge or anywhere to run or anywhere to hide except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la malja min Allahi illa ilayh there is no way to escape Allah except by going to Allah the only place you can escape Allah is by going to Allah and that's why we say Allahumma inna na'udhu bi ridaka min sakhatik wa bi'afwika min ukubatik wa bika O oh Allah, we seek refuge with your pleasure from your anger, and your forgiveness from your punishment, and with you from you. There is no other one that can save me except Allah. So the only one I can ask is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you think about Maliki Yomideen, which is the other qira'ah, you think about Ownership and you think about sovereignty that Allah is the king of kings There is no king coming on that day. No one on that day is gonna have lineage or gonna have power or gonna come and say I'm Fulan Ibn Fulan from Ali Fulan It doesn't mean anything on that day not even the people from the family of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam And that's why the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the one whose lineage slows them down مَنْ بِهِ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ يُسْرَعَ بِهِ نسبه. The one whose lineage slows, the one whose actions slow him down, his lineage will not speed him up. No one's going to come and say, I'm a Sayyid, I'm from Ahl I'm from Fulan, I'm this person, I'm a king, I'm an Amir, I'm Fulan. On that day, nothing matters. Allah is Maliki Yawmiddin, the king of that day. And every king in this world has his kingdom because Allah gave it to him. But some people don't recognize that. Alhamdulillah, the Muslims, they recognize, they say, my kingdom came to me from Allah. But some of the non-Muslims, they might say, innama uti'tuhu ala ilmin I got this because I'm clever, like Karun said. And it's only the Muslims who recognize that the kingdom on that day, it's only for Allah And everything that came to you in this dunya Everything you own and everything you possess And everything you're in charge of Is only because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Gave it to you as a test and a trial And so we feel fear We think about Allah's punishment We think about Jahannam We think about Yawm al And we start getting scared And we balance What would happen if you had too much fear? You would start becoming despairing losing hope, Allah will never forgive me, Allah will certainly punish me, I have no hope. When you combine Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm you have both. You have fear, and you have hope. You hope in Allah's mercy, and you fear Allah's punishment. We went on for a long time, but I want to get halfway through so that we can, inshaAllah ta'ala, next week we can finish Surah Al-Fatiha. The other surahs will not be long like this, but... I feel like, wallah, we should give Surah Al-Fatiha a, a couple of weeks, even if we give it three weeks. Because it's important, every day in every raka'ah, you're reading the same thing again and again. So it's really important we understand it, inshaAllah ta'ala, as best we can. And then we can move on and we can go through the other surahs. Again, maybe some of the small surahs we might take a bit long on. And then as we get to the longer ones, we can just you know, we can try and, and get through the material, bi ta'ala. That's what Allah Azza wa Jalla made easy for me to mention and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.